Grace Bible Church, welcome back to the Midweek Podcast. It's a pleasure to be here today. Brent, how are you? Uh, couldn't be better. Could not be better. <laughs> well, uh, today, uh, we have the blessing of having Roman and Amy Wally join us for the podcast. So, y'all, Hello. thank Good you for being here with us. Um, we're going to take just a moment to, uh, as we do every week, kind of, you know, you guys are church members as well as, uh, you know, Roman being on staff and y'all helping to lead our college ministry, but you're also church members. And so it's great for, uh, for our church body to get to know each other better. Mm. So this is a, an opportunity yeah. for that. So, um, so thanks for being here and sharing with us today. Thanks for having Lovely. us. Um, I'd love to just kind of go back and just kind of start with your stories and mm. how you came to know Christ and kind of that journey. So, um, maybe ladies yeah. first, would you mind sharing uh, a little bit, Amy, about, um, your, your upbringing, how you came to know Christ? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so before I was born, my parents became believers. So by the time I was born, they were just really young in their faith. Um, but they went to church regularly. And so I was born kind of in a family that was going to church regularly. Um, and they had this church we were going to had a great kids program. And so I remember very early on, um, just the need for personal salvation was just very clear. That was something they talked about every week and mm. um, kind of laying out how Christ's um, death and resurrection, kind of the answer to that need. And so um, that was just very clear from a young age for me. And so at the age of seven, I believed and was baptized. And yeah, just had this very young kind of love for Jesus, was so excited about church and sharing him with my friends. And <clears throat> then about, I would say, junior high, we moved to a new church um, that was more evangelistically focused. And mm-hmm. so they didn't have as much that I remember. Yeah, as much uh, to offer as in terms of like personal discipleship, how to read your Bible. They mm. were great at kind of helping people understand the front parts of the gospel, but then walking with Christ afterwards, that just wasn't really available. And Mm -hmm. so um, really by the time I got to college, I was still very young in my faith. I wanted to read my Bible, but I didn't really understand how to. And so I would get frustrated and it was boring sometimes. I just didn't know or know what resources to go to to find Mm -hmm. that. And, um, And then as you get older, you know, you have more freedom to make your own decisions. And so those decisions were becoming harder and I was just having a difficult time fighting sin, like Mm. making choices that were glorifying to God. And, um, I just had a very limited view or scope of like what my union with Christ meant and all the freedoms I'd been given in that and Mm. to fight the flesh and all those things. And so anyway, Mm. by the time I got to college, uh, there, I would say there's a pretty big paradigm shift where um, I started coming to Grace and I was involved with Crosspoint. And it was really the first time I had been in a Bible study where we were talking about Scripture. Yeah. And so I, it was incredible. Um, and I was in a small discipleship group of other gals. And it was where I like learned how to read my Bible. It was where I learned how to pray with others how to confess sin. Like These were just really kind of new things for me that mm-hmm. really took it from like a two dimensional type relationship to this like 3d in Mm. color kind of thing. And, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing to see like for the first time, like I had been told that God loved me. Um, but to see it 
in scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament just to like see it come off the page mm. um, was just pretty incredible. I felt like um, a lot of my obedience was guilt-driven up to that point, mm-hmm. just not wanting God to regret saving me, which mm. was so was such an incorrect wow. way to think about it. And I don't remember anyone ever teaching me that or preaching that. Um, I just over time kind of adopted that. Mm-hmm. And so um, to be freed up, like my obedience and desire to live for God was no longer fueled by like just not wanting him to regret saving me to oh, he loves me and mm-hmm. he loves his creation and I want to be a part of that. And so yeah, it's just been kind of upward from there. And that corner kind of turned midway through college for you? Yeah, right? I was super shy in college. And so it took me about two years to really get involved with Crosspoint. Mm-hmm. I'll kind of go yeah. and then slip out the back. Um, so I was afraid <laughs> to talk to people. But somebody personally invited me to community group and that made a huge, I said, okay, yeah, someone wants me to be there. And so mm. I think that really... That was the catalyst for it. Well, the power That's of the personal invite is always... Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I think that feeling of... We've had several people actually in our church through all these share that. Somebody invited mm-hmm. them personally. It could be a coworker, or we've had people invite people to the grocery store. Like yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. funny things. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. uh, that, that personal invite to know you're not going to be alone. Somebody's mm-hmm. You're not just coming to somebody's church, but you're coming to somebody to church with somebody. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, that's a, that makes a big difference. And, and so uh, we definitely yeah. want to ask how Roman, you came into this picture yeah. and Amy's <laughs> life. But, uh, and I know many have heard your story before, but would you share with us again, uh, your, how you grew up and yeah. uh, when you came to understand Christ? Yeah. And I'll include how we met in that. Um, so I grew up uh, <laughs> different from Amy in that my parents were both raised Catholic and um, we were regularly attending mass you know, that was a normal part of our lives. And I think I had a good concept of God as creator, had a good moral framework for what was right, what was wrong. Um, but I had no comprehension of God's grace. Uh, I remember staring at the cross, the crucifix, where Jesus is still on the cross um, in mass. And all I could think of was just how guilty being at church made me feel. Mm-hmm. And I had no concept of why Christ suffered for us. Um, I just felt like he did that for you. So what the heck are you doing? <laughs> you <know? laughs> and I was like, uh, this is a downer. And then when my mom died when I was 10, who was like the godliest person I knew at that point, I really just kind of put God <clears throat> at arm's length and was not interested and um, we still went to church, and I never rebelled externally, but I had lost all intention of knowing God, um, and I threw myself into sin. And uh, that caught up with me by high school to where I was like, I am a pretty terrible person, and um, I'm being faced with that in a number of different circumstances. I can't really hide it anymore, and I want to want to change, but I don't really want to change. Um, and so I went to school at SFA back in 07 and uh, my sinful foolish decisions continued for that first semester and through a long story which I would love to share at some point I ended up reading a verse from Ecclesiastes in the middle of the night and I'd been wrestling with questions about God's sovereignty even though I didn't know how to articulate them and basically the verse from Ecclesiastes rebuked me it was like this is beyond you Um, trust God (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so I read the book of Ecclesiastes and was just thrown for a loop. And that's what really got me into the Bible for the first time. I sat down with the pastor and he said, 
let's read the Gospel of John. And it was through reading the four Gospels for the first time in my life that I saw who Jesus actually is. Um, the thing that really blew my mind was how intense he was with the people I didn't expect, with the religious people, and how gracious he was with the people I would have not expected, the hmm. outcast and the sinner and the unclean. Um, and so that was that was just totally flipping my categories. And um, December of that first year is whenever I was reading Matthew. And uh, I made this decision to follow Jesus. And um, it was a messy, messy road because I had a lot of baggage and sin that was still clinging on, but it was a different kind of fight. It was actually a fight instead of an enslaved struggle, you know? Mm. Um, so that was my freshman year. I didn't meet Amy until my sophomore year, thank God. <laughs> Which was my very last semester of school. I had a lot of growing to do still by the time we met, but um, I'm thankful that we had a little bit of time. <laughs> uh, but we met, we were serving pancakes on campus, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. We were both serving with Crosspoint, and it was just like an outreach way to meet people, handing out scan scantrons and pancakes, and we were talking and just had a nice conversation, and then um, I think I asked you over Facebook to go on a bike ride, which is the most ironic thing to think about now, because <laughs> I, I don't use Facebook like, at all. Um, but do you ride a bike? Um, do. Not as much as I should, but... <laughs> Uh, it's gathering more dust than, than not. But yeah, we, we became fast friends, went on a mission trip together. And then when you graduated um, is when we decided to go ahead and date long distance. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we dated for two, two and a half years. Two of that was long distance because I moved to Houston right after that. And then the last six months was engagement. So, yeah. yeah. That's tremendous. So you went into, and one of the things I think was really helpful for us is, and how long have y'all been married? Uh, yeah, we just had our 10 years. Hey, all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so at uh, what do you get somebody at 10 years? What's the gift? Oh, like don't say it because uh, I didn't give it. Is it like wood? Oh. <laughs> is it say cardboard? Don't really Car know. I don't know what <laughs> don't it know is. It's funny. <laughs> well, whatever it is. Who knows? Let's start at the lowest lowest graphite. Line. Line. Let's just say, know. yeah, just a solid high five. I think is all it is at 10. <laughs> I think that's so. what we did. <laughs> that's just all it is. Nailed it. Uh, but you all have been, you've learned a lot uh, serving in vocational ministry. And, mm. and I think a part of that to be able to share that with our people too. What mm. is the, what are some of the strains, some of the things you all have learned mm. uh, in being members, but being serving in ministry and experiencing some of that tug, boundaries, all sure. those things along the way. Can you all speak to that a little bit? What you've, sure. what you've yeah. learned now? Not, not so much a, I wish I'd have known, if I'd have known then what I know now. Mm. But what are some things you all have learned along the way? I'll go ahead and start us because it might set you up well. Sure. Um, I think the biggest struggle uh, was similar to seminary, actually. I did not know where to draw a boundary. Um, I felt like I couldn't stop and still be faithful. And so I was just constantly working. Like I think about it now six years into it, and I'm like, I can't believe I used to do what I would do. Um, just hours-wise, but then... It was just neglecting home. It was neglecting you, Amy. Um, and so I think those first couple of years were really hard just because I wasn't balancing work life at all. Um, so I think that was a huge lesson to learn that my first and foremost ministry is home. It's my wife and now our son. And that honors God. Mm. 
And I don't have to make excuses for that or try to make myself feel better or justify it. It's a matter of obedience to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that actually overflows into the work that we do with students. Um, It was the most ridiculous thing to have like a premarital counseling meeting with a couple whenever we need to have counseling, you know, (laughs) like where we feel tense and awkward before people sit down with us. Um, I I had a lot of moments like that the first couple of years where the Lord was convicting me. And so I would say that's probably the first biggest lesson. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, Yeah, when I think about it, it's kind of interesting because it doesn't exactly, it kind of dovetails with vocational ministry because you are full-time in it and then I participate in a way because I still work. And so kind of finding a way to balance for me how to be married, how to be involved in ministry while still working. I remember when we were in uh, Dallas for seminary, our very first semester, I started having this creeping feeling of, gosh, the work that I'm doing is so much less valuable than Mm -hmm. the work of being in seminary, of studying Mm -hmm. scripture all day. Like Roman gets to do these things how amazing is that? And I'm going to my office to my eight to five job. And so I had this like creep, this creeping thought coming in of like, my work is not valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, what am I doing? And so, uh, anyway, the Lord has just been really faithful over the years. So in seminary and then now here, um, where I still work part-time, but now we have our son. And so I spend a lot of time with him, um, to give me a proper theology of work and seeing that all work is valuable mm-hmm. when it's done unto the Lord. Um, and that there are spaces that he has given me privilege to be in that you are not. And yeah. so mm-hmm. there's ways that I can minister to my coworkers or even just doing a good day's work. I get to image mm-hmm. him and doing that well yeah. and um, offering that as worship to him. Like kind of having those concepts, um, learning those over the years, it's just made the work that I get to do both in the home, in ministry, now remotely when I work. Um, mm-hmm. Those are just really fulfilling things because I I, realize, I know I'm imaging him when I'm doing them to the best of my abilities. So mm-hmm. um, not exactly vocational, but it's something I've had to kind of work through since mm-hmm. being in seminary and, and ministry or um, work yeah. here. Mm-hmm. I think maybe an additional thing, I've learned how valuable it is to be able to partner in this work together. Yeah. Um, apart from COVID seasons, which have been, I think, our harder <laughs> years of ministry, and I think that might be true for everybody, but um, we've always had our students in our home, our student leaders, and to be able to do that together has been such a so privilege fun. and a joy um, for us. And whenever we're able to include Roman, our son, in it, um, because he loves those people <laughs> and he gets excited when they come over and... Uh, he gets to see us reading God's word together and praying together and encouraging each other. And so um, that's good for us, but it's also good for our students because they walk away like writing us notes and letting us know how small things in our home made an impact on them that we didn't even yeah. plan or orchestrate. It just yeah. mm-hmm. is what God used. So, yeah. Those are great insights. I think that component of ministry along the way is one of the things we, uh, I am most slow to, uh, or quick to forget, I should say, of mm. just along the way of life. It's all ministry. It's all mm. God's appointments. Yeah. And provides yeah. a lot of fruit in that. Uh, what are some things as you kind of consider uh, general counsel that you would give in general to 
our church body? Things mm-hmm. that you would say, because uh, you were you lived here as college students. Yeah. You moved back here, mm-hmm. ministry, but also life. And mm-hmm. what are things that, obviously, you speak to college students and young adults all the time. Mm-hmm. What are some insights maybe that you all would want to get to the rest of our congregation, mm-hmm. those 30 and over, uh, mm-hmm. to understand about college students mm-hmm. in this season? Do you want me to start? Yeah, you start. I've okay. got some thoughts. But yeah. um, I think one thing I find myself saying to parents or grandparents quite a bit is you never know the full picture of what's going on in somebody's life, particularly if it's your child or your grandchild. And if it looks like they're walking away or they're in a season of spiritual rebellion, you never know how God's at work because that's exactly where I was. I was not looking for Jesus and God intervened in my world. Mm. Um, And there were people around me who were eager and willing to step in and love me and speak the truth. Um, but they would have not known all the ways that God was working on me. And so I would just say, keep the hope uh, that God is at work in ways that you can't see. Hmm. Uh, one of the things I read in a book a couple years ago that I've kind of stolen is expect that people made in God's image want to know their maker hmm. and interact with people in that way. They want to know God, whether they recognize that or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so go into conversations and interactions with that expectation. Hmm. Um, even if on the outside, it looks like they are completely uninterested. You got anything? Yeah. Well, not as much as you, but, um, <laughs> sorry. Oh yeah. What you're kind of that last quote there in my mind, I was just thinking, I think it could be easy. The more time that passes between different generations to look at a particular generation and write them off in mm-hmm. a way because they're just different. And Gosh, we have just some of the most like humble, curious students that mm-hmm. want to know his word and mm-hmm. want to talk about it mm-hmm. and um, are excited to have those conversations um, if you just would enter into it. And yeah. so um, as you were talking about, that's just what came to mind. And it's funny you say that. I find that more often than not, it's not the Bible itself that turns searching students off or even not really searching students, but just a student who's not a Christian yet. It's more often than not the Bible that turns them off. It's Christian culture. And so um, whenever I've just tried to bring somebody into scripture itself, I often am met with a, yeah, sure. I'll read that with you and we'll talk about it. And there's interest um, and so if I, if I'm careful to kind of set aside some of the religious lingo that we use and just stick with the words of scripture that ends up being way more fruitful, <laughs> uh, and there's a whole lot more people ready and willing to do that with us. If we just ask them and care mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. Um, maybe one last thing for me, if you got another thought, I'd love to hear it, but, um, I think it's easy to look at the culture right now and feel completely doom and gloom. And one of the things that I really loved about my days in seminary was studying the years of the early church and to see how pluralistic, how completely morally corrupt it was, Mm -hmm. um, how much tyranny and oppression was going on and how the church grew like wildfire through the simple acts of preaching the gospel, loving your neighbor, and devoting yourself to the apostles' teaching. And so 
I feel like as we look at the culture um, where there's a de-Christianizing of our culture, I think there's actually unique opportunities ahead that we should be mm-hmm. hopeful for and expectant mm-hmm. for instead of fearful and frustrated. Mm-hmm. So. It kind of goes full circle. of Amy, when you said somebody brought you into a community group, they invited to come with you, Roman, sounds a little bit like what mm. you're saying with the Bible is, is we're not trusting this aura or this marketing component, uh, but rather inviting people to come along with us to know the Lord and know his people. Yeah, yeah that uh, <laughs> there is there is not a uh, shooting going on behind us here. <laughs> it's a nail gun. That is a yes. nail gun right at the perfect time uh, to take place here. So there is some construction happening here at the office today with uh, one of the rooms being converted into an office. Welcome, Brad. So I don't think we should edit this out at all. We're going to take a quick pause. Let's see if I can ask somebody to stop for just a second. Hold on. (laughs) And we're back. So uh, what were you saying, Brent? I don't even remember now. I was saying that the invitation Uh that, uh, that Amy had into... Uh, the community group, somebody personally invited her to come along is very similar to what, what uh, Pastor Roman has said here of uh, personally inviting young adults or older adults or anybody to come along with you to study scripture, come along with you mm-hmm. uh, to to get to know better either the people of the Lord or the, the things of the Lord by his mm-hmm. word. And that's uh, that common thread there from the very front to beginning. You all planned that so incredibly well. <laughs> And the teleprompter that you're reading before you. Now, there is no notes. This is just kind of, we give them like two, two or three questions. And uh, so this is just a sweet time together. But, I, but you know, I've seen that too. Not, you know, with, with when we've had college students in our home or we've had any person in our home, just bringing them into what you do normally, mm-hmm. where it doesn't feel like it's a, a gimmicky thing where you're like, hey, come watch this. But it's more yeah. of just like, hey, can you wash dishes with us while we get dinner ready? And, mm-hmm. you know, like just make them a part of your life. Um. Yeah, I think discipleship really happens through proximity. I mean, mm-hmm. you really have to be with those people. And so for them to even see how you lead your kids or mm-hmm. um, how you speak to your wife or, you know, all of those things are all mm-hmm. formative. And so when we're willing to just lump people into our lives, yeah. that's a huge, huge opportunity, whether it be a Bible study or, you know, going to the grocery store. I think mm-hmm. that's, yeah. You know, I, I think this is a perfect opportunity to maybe speak a little bit about the Adopted Jack program before mm-hmm. we look to, uh, oh, yeah. uh, to the, the coming text that we'll look at, uh, at on Sunday. Can you tell us a little bit about the Adopted Jack vision Absolutely. and heart? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Adopted Jack is, I've said this before the church before, it's just formalizing what the church has been doing for many years. Um, it's what we experienced whenever we were students here in an informal way, just being drawn into relationships with people who are older than us. Um, I know I certainly was. And the goal here is to just help Formalize for those who might feel a little bit unsure how to approach a college student or for a college student how to approach an adult or a family to give them a clear connection. Mm-hmm. Um, the ask is just that a family or an adult would have a student over three times a semester, whether over to their home or take them out for a meal and just have an intentional conversation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be anything earth shattering or groundbreaking, but just talk to them. Um, that's what students are so hungry for. I think it's easy for some of our adults to feel like college students are so cool or unapproachable or they aren't <laughs> interested in just a normal family. And that's the farthest thing from the truth. Mm-hmm. What they want is normal people who are living normal lives, 
who care about them. Mm-hmm. And many of them are coming from broken homes. And so to, to have a glimpse of what a Christian marriage or Christian family can look like, it it's, makes more of an impact than a family will know. Um, so adopt a Jack. If a, an adult or a family is interested, they can email me. There's no sign up on their end. And then they will go into my database and students sign up. And then we make a pairing and let those people know. And then they kind of take it from there. We don't control what they do, how often they do it, where they do it. We just are the connector. That's tremendous. Uh, well, can you uh, share with us a little bit about uh, your preaching on Exodus 7, 14 yeah. through 24? Yeah. Well, water to blood. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, this is my first time to dive into Exodus um, in any kind of sermon. So it's been really fun to look at the text. This is one of those texts that early on reading as a believer, I was like, do I believe this really? Like <laughs> blood coming from water? I don't know. But um, we are looking at the beginning of the plagues, the beginning of the 10 plagues. It's opened with the episode of the staff turning into a serpent um, in the text right before. And um, with the water turning into blood is the beginning of 10 acts of judgment that God um, brings upon Egypt as a way of delivering his people. And so we'll be talking about how God acts in saving judgment and how we ought to respond to that. Mm -hmm. And how that's actually good news for us. It's not something to be embarrassed by. It's not something to sidestep. It's something to be grateful for mm-hmm. and to respond to God with humble, repentant faith. Yeah. It's good. Um, we are going to be we're going to be singing, of course, the truth that we that we sing every single Sunday. That we'll remember who God is. Uh, that He's faithful. We've seen His faithfulness to His people, and mm-hmm. as we've been going through Exodus, and we'll continue to see that. We'll sing of our rebellion against him and uh, our desperate need for him. We'll sing of Christ, our great redeemer and savior. And then we'll respond with, with joy because this is who our God is. And so we'll do that again. Um, and um, Wally, so I just want to thank you for being here and, uh, and sharing with us uh, and really just encouraging our body. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's always uplifting to hear how the Lord has worked in someone's yeah. life. Um, and, uh, to, to rejoice, you know, if that's, that's the case for the listener, you know, that, that, yeah, me too, that's happened for me too. And so thank you for being faithful to share. Um, church, we love you. We are praying for you. We, uh, can't wait to gather with you again, to proclaim the good news of Christ, to sing together, to sit under his word and joy and submission, and, uh, and then to walk out the doors once more to pursue uh, the world. So, Uh, We love you. We're praying for you, and we'll see you someday. Thanks for having us, guys. Thank you.